1: Sweep, nothing personal, word of the day for Tuesday, April 26th, 2022, is sweep. Say goodbye, Brooklyn. Say goodbye to Hollywood. The Brooklyn Nets, the most dysfunctional team that I've come across, maybe in my career, is out of the playoffs so fast that they're going to be a memory before the middle of the next round. Frankly, they could be a memory before the end of the first round because there's some other great first round series going on but if you watch this Nets team throughout the year I want to do a quick primer before I give you what happened yesterday I think we have to go back go back to the time way back in the day when vaccines were required to attend games in Brooklyn or in New York City long long time ago I remember when Kyrie Irving couldn't play home games no problem he's going to sit out. But then Sean Marks, the great general manager of the Nets, got together with the great Joseph Tsai and said, wait, we're struggling a bit here. James Harden seems a little plump. We're having a bit of an issue winning games. There's a big play-in tournament we'd like to avoid. Here's an idea. Let's let Kyrie Irving play just road games. Wow. That made the rest of his teammates feel super good that he didn't have to play home games, but he got to go on the road trips, where by the way, 78% of players prefer road trips to home games. They won't tell you that, but they do. Kyrie Irving plays road games. The Nets all of a sudden head toward the trade deadline wondering, we're not better. Sean Marks, the GM says, we're gonna make you better. James Harden, guess what? We brought you in to win. You're a big three. Irving, Harden, Durant, championships upon championships. Zero. Daryl Morey of the Houston Rockets says come on China be better. The NBA says see you later Daryl. Doc Rivers says hey I think you're coming to Philadelphia. Josh Harris says come on down. Here comes Daryl. Daryl says you know what I'll take James Harden. The Sixers, we haven't done anything. We got Ben Simmons sitting on the sideline. He's got mental health issues. He has back issues. He's injured. He has his feelings hurt. Perfect. Let's trade a problem for a problem. Let's trade a loser for a loser. And maybe they're both negative. So when you have two negatives face off each other, in math, that becomes a positive. Brilliant. The trade deadline comes. ESPN and CBS and Peacock. They all go live, biggest trade in history. Ben Simmons of the Philadelphia 76ers, along with Seth Curry and somebody else whose name escapes me, damn it, Coca. Come on, the big guy, the big guy. They go to the 76ers, from the 76ers to the Nets, and from the Nets to the Sixers, James Harden? Oh my God. Everybody in Philadelphia says, here comes the title we trusted the process it was andre drummond thank you Coco. james harden joins the sixers then the nets have all these shooters they got curry they got the big guy drummond they still have durant they still have irving the thought is that the new mayor is going to say come on down Kyrie. you're the next contestant on boy this doesn't seem very consistent you get to play at home ben simmons add him to the list a premium defensive player who can work very well with kevin durant he comes immediately to net games sits on the bench in shorts and great clothes everybody's excited the nets are again favored to win the title all of a sudden the yankees season starts the mayor says Ooh, I got to keep getting money from Steve Cohn, and I got Randy Levine all over me, the president of the Yankees. We got to change the rules. We got to make it so that the people who aren't vaccinated can play at home. Okay, and the Nets playoffs are starting. Rule change. Kyrie, you can play at home now. People in Brooklyn are all excited. The Nets are in full strength. Ben Simmons is beginning to work out. They've got a chance. The Nets are playing the Celtics in the first round. The Celtics, who started off the NBA season by being eh, mediocre, and then for the past few months have been eh, the best team in football. Bait, cut, eh, four, six, nine. No prompter, folks. It's just me naked. I mean, if you're on Nothing Person with YouTube, David Sampson, you know I'm not naked. I've got a blazer on. I actually had to button this shirt all the way to the top, which I don't often do but I had to do it because there's a collar frame issue where I'm hanging on to this shirt because I'm emotionally attached to it. Have you ever done that with a piece of clothing where you wear it more than you should wear it, and then it's had its useful life, but you wanna keep wearing it? So there's certain adjustments you have to make, right? So the collar on this shirt is not perfect, but when I close the top button as though I were gonna wear a tie, but there's no tie, it makes the shirt wearable. So the Celtics become the best team in basketball. Four six nine. You can wipe that and start just from. I know you're gonna want to get rid of that whole thing, Coca, of the of the shirt because you're pissed. But okay, four six nine. The Celtics, after a tough start, are the one of the top teams, if not the top team in the NBA. They're playing the Nets in the first round. The Nets are at full strength. X Simmons. Simmons has been working out. People are as excited about him on the court as they are as Zion Williamson doing dunks pre-game with the Pelicans, as though that's going to help the Pelicans against the Suns, as though they need help with the Bookerless Suns. That's a hell of a series. Quite a surprise so far. Anyway, the Nets play Game 1. Loss. No problem. We're good. The game's in Boston. Game 2. Loss. Hey, series doesn't start until someone loses at home. Game 3. Loss. Close games, everyone says nobody's ever come back from a 0 3 deficit but these are the nets they've got durant they've got irving boom they're gonna get simmons back for game four it was the talk of the town a guy who hasn't played a game in a year since last year's playoffs he's gonna come in and all of a sudden be our savior you can do it ben simmons wakes up like the rest of us who are over 50 and says eh, i'm a little creaky Oh God, my backy hurts a little bit. Jeez, is that what I look like in the morning? What in the name of God is under my eyes? Everyone always says bags under your eyes. Holy Christmas, I've got actual bags under my eyes in the morning. Wait, can I take a selfie and just compare it to what I looked like a year ago? <gasps> Lots of creaks. Ben Simmons says, eh, I can't play in game four. No way. No problem, Nets are at home. They don't wanna get swept because they've got championship class and they understand that they want to be representative of the great team they were supposed to be. Nets, Lakers in the NBA Finals. That's what we were told by all the great gas bags. Guess what, Nets got swept. And that's not even the best part of the story. The best part of the story is right after the Nets got swept, the following two things happened. One, word comes out that Steve Nash, the coach of the Nets, let me bring you back to when Steve Nash was named the coach of the Nets, and this is going to make you smile. You have to pay attention to what players say after a hiring because generally players don't change their minds. Steve Nash is hired. Kyrie Irving says, you know, it's really me and KD who are the coach anyway. So we're not as focused on who the coach is specifically. And on nothing personal episode gimmel, I said that's really not good for a player to say that and if I'm Steve Nash and I was just tired, I'm calling these guys into my office and saying listen here. You want a ring? I know you have one Kevin. You want another? I know you have one Kyrie. One more just for fun? You're going to need to buy into me and my system. I can make us win in Brooklyn, be the first people to bring an NBA championship to the Nets franchise. If you'll play Kyrie, of course. So Steve Nash is unlikely to be fired. Yesterday, word comes out. Because Kevin Durant and Joseph Tsai support him. Huh. So the best player and the owner support him. Now that's redundant, in my opinion, because here's what matters, or what should matter when you're running a team. What the owner thinks. Now, having fired 29 managers, I can tell you that the owner's view matters quite a bit, except every once in a while, you want to see what your players think, but you only do it for confirmation bias because if your players think differently from your owner, my job is to explain to the players, the owner's the owner, and we're going to do what the owner wants. If the players agree with the owner, then we get to use the players as a shield when we are being batted around... For making yet another managerial change so steve nash coming back all right i think there may be some cohesiveness maybe we're going to get a statement maybe sean marks is going to come out and talk about what's going on with ben simmons and what happened with him gonna play game four then not gonna play game four Maybe we're gonna hear from Joseph Tsai, an end-of-year press conference. Maybe we'll get a good interview with the player who can talk about the disappointment and not hug Jason Tatum at the end, but talk about why they, without any player who's better than Kevin Durant, though Jason Tatum may now be better than Kevin Durant, why is it that the Nets couldn't win a game? But then Kyrie stole the show. Kyrie, who puts the S in selfish, puts the L in loser X having LeBron in Cleveland, puts the N in never going to win again says the following Kyrie plans to re-sign with the Nets quote when I say I'm here with Kev that means Kevin Durant they're very they're close calls him Kev Kai and Kev I wonder if he calls if Kev calls Kai Kai or Irv Julius Irving that's a little shout out to those of you who are have been alive for at least two score, mostly two and a half score. Please tell me you have any idea who Dave Zinkoff is. Anybody, just get at my Twitter while you can at David P. Sampson. Julius Irving. Kyrie says, when I say I'm here with Kev, I think that really entails us managing this franchise together alongside, what's he going to say? I think he should say alongside his coach, alongside his owner, alongside who let's I don't know, maybe it's just players, maybe it's his family, maybe it's a religion, maybe it's vaccine vaccines, who knows? I think that really entails us managing this franchise together, alongside Joe and Sean. Anything else? Hold on. I when I say I'm here with Kev. I think that really entails us managing this franchise together alongside Joe and Sean. That's Joe, Cy, the owner, and Sean Marks, the GM. So he's here with Kev and Joe and Sean. Kev, Joe, Sean, Nash? Well, where's the coach in that? No. Kyrie Irving does not think that it's necessary to manage the franchise together with the coach. There's going to be a lot of love to get us through the night. Joe, here's a little nugget for you as owner of the Nets. If you ever want to try yourself for a ring, fit yourself for a championship ring, because believe me, you win one championship, you're a champion forever. You don't win, you're nothing but another yutz who owned a team or was a president of a team. And frankly, some people would say, one ring is still yutz-worthy. Not me, because I've got the ring. I don't think I'm a yutz. What do you do if you have a player who gives a purposeful quote? What do you do if you're Steve Nash? I was gonna call him Graham Nash. Graham Nash was at the tip of my tongue, Coca. Then it was Chris Nash in my head. And as I was talking, I shouldn't let you in on this because as an audience, you would say, wow, he just had Steve Nash immediately, no problem. But I'm trying to give you some insight into how this brain works. I was about to go Graham Nash. Chris, Steve, Steve, it's gotta be Steve. What do you do if you're Steve Nash and you read that quote? I'm going right to Sean Marks. I'm going right to Joseph Tsai. And I'm saying, if you do not want me leading this team, then send me on my way. Pay me out the rest of my deal, and I'm going to get another coaching job. There's going to be people all over the Inter Google telling you that Steve Nash has to go, telling you that they got to find a coach who can better control Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons and the like. Horse hockey. They don't need a better coach, they need better players. They don't need a better coach, they need players who are willing to be coached. You're gonna put player empowerment to the point where you're gonna let them choose a coach? How's that doing in LA? Hey Joe, you're ringless. You wanna do what the Bus family does? Now, forgetting Winning Time the documentary, forget Jerry West, forget all those things. We'll talk about that at the end of Winning Time the series. Let's look at see how LeBron James coaching, playing, GM situation's going good i thought so take control of your team tell irving he's done get rid of him trade him do anything you can to make sure that he is not on your team when your season starts next year or guess what you're gonna be a year older and you're still gonna be without a ring good luck nets We had to wait to see on April 15th of 2021. That's when we tell you something's going to happen. When it happens, we revisit it. When it doesn't happen, we revisit it. This one happened. This was an easy one. 11 days ago, the Nets will lose in the first round to the Celtics. Come on, who didn't have that? N-C-T-P that the Nets were going to beat the Celtics. That's a yes. All right, hold on. I'm gonna do one thing while we're here because I'm checking my Twitter. I just wanna see right now whether or not I'm still on Twitter. Okay, at David P. Sampson is still there. All right, let me see what else. Okay, followers are down. Followers are down, okay. Following is up. Hmm, interesting. Tweets, replies, media, likes. All right, let me, the app still looks like it's still a white check. So I have that. People tell me it's a blue check. Okay, whatever, blue check, whatever you say. Okay, the top, bottom, everything's good. Elon has not gotten to my Twitter yet. In what is front page news above the fold in the New York Times, front page lead story online everywhere, Elon Musk has decided to pay a 38% premium over the actual public price of the stock of Twitter and give $54.20 a share, this is my kind of guy. I guess if I were Elon Musk, I would have offered $69.69, but he does love 420. So he's offering 54.20 a share and he's buying every share. So if you bought your shares at 20, you're rich. If you bought them at 30, way to go. If you bought them at 55, back to work. Everyone's very nervous can i explain to you what happens when someone takes a company private so public companies have a ton of things they have to do number one is they have a board number two they've got public filings that need to be done disclosures there's some amount of transparency required you have to meet with analysts work at investment banking firms you have to say hey My first quarter projections are the following earnings per share. Yeah, I can't figure out how Twitter makes money. Hey, there's some ads and there are a few other things. Got a few deals here, a few deals there. Everywhere a deal, there a deal, here a deal. When you're private, all you have to do is if you have to borrow money, you gotta talk to your bankers. You don't have to talk to analysts. You don't have to work your ass off to say, make sure we're a buy, maybe a hold, but don't say sell the amount of time that public company executives spend making sure that their investors are taken care of, making sure that their investment banks are taken care of, making sure that their PR is taken care of, all of those things because they don't want their stock price to go down would shock you. The reason why companies like Facebook go public is it gives them a huge amount of money to buy more things, to expand more, but there's a price to pay. Ask Mark Zuckerberg whether he feels he's paid a price from his dorm room at Havid to where he is today, somewhere in the metaverse. By the way, wouldn't it be funny if Mark Zuckerberg really were not a person? I mean, I don't see him too often. Once in a while he's surfing or once in a while he's with his family, but what if he just bought a place like way ahead of the rest of us in the metaverse and that's where he is all day, every day? I guess you could do it. It would be the ultimate, like, plugged in. I wonder how you eat. I guess you get an IV or something. So Twitter's going private and everyone's up in arms. They're worried that Twitter's gonna become a cesspool, okay? They're worried that there's gonna be misleading information on Twitter, huh? They're worried that there's gonna be disinformation and that there's gonna be a platform for hate, vitriol, (laughs) bullying. Because Elon Musk came out and said, free speech is the bedrock of a functioning democracy. And Twitter is the digital town square where matters vital to the future of humanity are debated. I feel like I should be in temple when I hear that sentence. Twitter has tremendous potential. I look forward to working with the company and the community of users to unlock it. He's got a few ideas let's blue check everybody so we can keep track of who the bots are and who aren't let's make sure that if you get to edit your tweet that your likes and retweets and quote tweets go back to zero that's an interesting one let's make sure that everybody gets a platform hmm, where have you heard that before on nothing personal where everybody already has a platform and that you should be responsible with your platform, whether you're talking to your friend and your platform exists of one person, or you're talking to a full Yankee Stadium every single day, or you're talking to a full Atlanta-Hartsfield airport every day. Have responsibility. The reason I'm not against Elon Musk purchasing Twitter is the following. Do you know the etymology of the First Amendment? Anybody out there? I'm just curious how that happened. The Bill of Rights, the Articles of Confederation turns into a constitution which then has the Bill of Rights which consists of the first 10 amendments. Were you aware that the majority of the amendments were really just a discussion by the governing people back in the day when they said, man, we do not want to happen to us what happened to us when the British ruled over us. Hmm. Interesting. Do you know that back in the day, you could be forced to house members of an army? That's no longer the case. You no longer have to house people like that. Do you know back in the day, people were not allowed to ever peacefully assemble to discuss anything that could in any way overthrow a government right to peaceful assembly? right to bear arms we've talked about the second amendment that's a good one right to bear arms just in case we need to form a militia because we don't want to go back to being ruled by the Britons by the Britons that's not the wrong word that is the wrong word by the English by the British here come the British what about the right of free speech talk about it all the time spend time up in New Haven dealing with that issue on college campuses around the country where left-leaning institutions do not want right-leaning people on campus giving speeches. You can't have Donald Trump. You can't have, what is it, Dick Carlson? What's the name of the guy that every, who everybody watches on uh, on Fox or on Owen? T- Thank you, Coca. You can't have Tucker Carlson here or Marjorie Charlie's Angels. Why, well, I can't remember, Marley, Marjorie Green. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Free speech. We have to allow people on every side. And do you know where I am on that? I absolutely agree. However, free speech started when back in the day it became an amendment because the colonists were really not allowed to in any way say anything against the government. And free speech, they, they were risking imprisonment, death. Death by the thing at the end of the gun where it doesn't kill you like the bayonet that sticks you in your carotid and boom, you're dead but America said, and when they were writing the Federalist Papers said, here's an idea. Let's make it so that our people can speak up against the government. When we became independent in 1776, we didn't have a president. We didn't even have an army. We had no way to, our government, we had no money. There was no taxation. There was just like 13 people in Congress, 13 states trying to get stuff done. And they said, this may not work, but let's not do what the British did to us. So what exactly, when you're saying that Elon wants free speech and that all of you are afraid of free speech on Twitter, heaven forbid, it's not exactly the reason free speech started, but it certainly is what free speech has become. If you do not want to engage in the discourse on Twitter, then don't engage. If you are fearful that there are people spreading lies and disinformation on Twitter, guess what? There are and they're doing it in every other place they happen to go during the course of a day, like the grocery store, the gas station, the gym, their kids' school, people who are conspiracy theorists, people who believe that drinking bleach will stop you from getting COVID, people who, let me think, make it their business to make you believe that everything you believe is wrong and everything they believe is by definition right if they are not allowed on Twitter, the impact on that is de minimis, zero. Then some people are saying, I wonder what Elon Musk is gonna do about Twitter in China, Twitter in India. What about all the abuse that happens? Remember when the UK, they they signed all these laws, about online abuse because people are getting abused on their Instagram accounts. And believe me, I've got kids, I get it. Bullying's a real thing. But Elon Musk versus a public company, there is no difference in how they will choose to attack, if they choose to attack at all, instances of online abuse. Countries where freedom of speech is not allowed which we know is China, take that for example. Maybe Elon Musk says there'll be no Twitter in China. Maybe Elon Musk says we're gonna allow anyone to say anything they want about how great Putin is or not. It's a private company. He will get to make whatever decision he makes. And here's what we get to do. This is the best part about America. This is what we fight for, freedom the right to choose now forget the fact that our country is going back 70 years and they believe the right to choose is not women related they don't have the right to choose why should they choose they're women after all don't get me started that said everybody but women who are pregnant have the right to choose assuming that you're not in prison if you don't like what Elon Musk does with Twitter, if you think that everybody's verified and you don't feel special, does it sound like the star belly sneetches and the sneeches without stars where no one knows the difference anymore? Maybe if you have a blue check mark now and then Elon Musk gives everyone else a blue check, you should say, I don't want a blue check. Then everybody without the blue checks, those are gonna be the people who used to have the blue checks and those are gonna be the people who you're gonna wanna focus on to see who what's going on, where's what and who's who. Then the people with the blue checks are going to say, I don't want the blue check anymore, even though I just got it. It was sort of cool. Now it's not cool. Take my blue check away. Then the people who used to have the blue checks are going to say, give me my blue check back, please. And we're going to pay Elon Musk $1 every time to get the blue check, to get rid of the blue check, get the blue check again. We are living in the Sneeches world. Be better make your informed decisions about your views of twitter and elon musk and free speech based on the power you have to choose where you get your information and what you do with the information you get do you just read it and assume it's true do you read it and try to do some research to confirm that it's true by getting a second opinion do you ignore it all of the confirmation bias out there that is taken advantage of by every single corporation and titan and rich person there is. Not just Elon Musk. Because we are a group of people, these human beings, we love confirmation bias because we love to think that we're right and the way we're thinking about it makes sense. And if you think the way I think, then we're both right. Hmm, is that how it works? Well, if this is the end of Twitter, Follow me on Instagram at David P. Sampson. Maybe go get yourself a newspaper. Or maybe I'll see you at David P. Sampson on Twitter tomorrow. When we come back, we're going to review a movie that you told me to watch. It was Cocus Top 5. He said, you got to watch Friday. So I did. And then we're going to talk about what it takes to fire an umpire because I am livid and worked up. And I'm going to fire an umpire after the break. We'll be right back.
0: Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank. Members of DIC terms and conditions apply.
2: It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing.
1: Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson. Thank you for following us on Twitter at David P. Sampson. <laughs> for following us on Instagram at David P. Sampson. We're now on Talk-isk um, Coca. Cut that. I want to get it right because I want to promote all the work you're doing. So ready? Six, four, nine. We're also on TikTok. We're not on Facebook, are we? Anyway, just follow us, go on Apple, tell your friends about nothing personal. We're here every day. We watch a movie every day. And when Coca says, I've got to get stoned and watch Friday because it's one of the top five stoner movies of all time, I'm gonna say, hey, okay. So I did. And about an hour and 36 minutes later, I said, I can't believe I didn't see this movie when I was, 27 years old what was I doing and then I realized I was schlepping around Europe selling newspapers which would have been a great opportunity to do that since I was staying up very late at night and doing crazy things delivering papers Ice Cube and Chris Tucker combined to sit on a front porch basically the entire movie takes place on a street Nia Long's in there from a movie called Jude That's not the movie. It's with Jude Law. It's a movie called Alfie. Check out Alfie, by the way, Coke, if you have not seen that with Jude Law and uh, Nia Long, among others. One of my favorites. So what really happens in this movie, it is the story of an afternoon in a neighborhood, a Friday as they figure out the fact that they don't work, they do work, they could work, they've gotta deal drugs, they've gotta get money, because they took drugs, they don't have the money, then they gotta find the money, but they're gonna smoke it, because you always smoke it, but then you can't pay the dealer who gave you the stuff to sell, then you've gotta figure out what to do. You're being found, you're trying to have sex, you're trying to laugh. It's exactly an afternoon of paradise. There's no Twitter, there's no Instagram, there's no social media, it is simply people who are absolutely nailing what it is to be on a corner in the middle of a street, wondering how is it possible that you could care so little about what comes tomorrow. So I allowed myself all the laughs and I thought to myself, there's no way there's a sequel, right? Because the sequel is probably not going to be good, not because it won't be funny, but because We don't want to promote that sort of lifestyle. We want Ice Cube and Chris Tucker to see the light, to become members of society who go to Burning Man, who still get stoned, but are still working on Wall Street and figuring out ways to make the world a better place. Or are we okay with people who just pack it in and say, let's just be stoners all day. Maybe give them a surfboard, jump out of some planes. And then Coca said, not only is there a next Friday, but there's a Friday after next. So I've got two more of these movies to see, and you can bet your bippy I'm going to watch both. I have a run to do today, Coca, so I can't watch it today, but it's going to be in the next week. I'm going to get them both done. I'm going to watch one, two, and three, and then we're going to rank them because, Coca, I'm sure you have a ranking, but I appreciate that offer and that suggestion. Friday with Ice Cube and Chris Tucker. If you haven't seen it, and you don't have so you want to talk to Samson? Question: Still get sixty-eight, sixty-nine spaked and watch Friday. I wonder if umpires cut that. It's bad grammar. Two six nine. I wonder whether umpires are ever stoned when they are umping a game. In my career, I never saw that—not one time. I've spoken to umpires before games, after games. Never saw an umpire drunk. Never saw an umpire stoned. I never tested an umpire's sight. Do you know that we, side note detour story. There's a company called Sports in the Arts and it's run by who I call the Specca sisters, but Camille Specca and Tracy Specca. And they've designed and worked with owners and presidents who are building new ballparks. And we were one of their first projects. They, all the great art in, in Marlins Park on the suite level, the legends level, around the park, it was all a huge part of, it took a huge amount of work. And some of the art was originally commissioned, others were copies, others were pictures that we secured the rights to, but take a look around Marlins Park, assuming Jeter didn't get rid of all of it, but there's some really cool art on different levels of the ballpark. One of the things that they commissioned was a big, and we approved it because we approved every piece of art, was a big eye chart. You know the eye chart where it's a big E and then a smaller L-S and then a smaller R-S-T-L-N-E and then you keep going down and you have to squint to see the bottom where it's 2010 and you say Y, 6, C, 9, 4, 3, and they're like, eh, close. The S was a 5, the C was an 8, that type of thing. So it's a huge piece of canvas. Let's say it was 2 feet by 4 feet. And I said, I love it and this is exactly how this happened. When we are planning, when you build a stadium, you plan everything from where the outlets are to where you buy chairs and you know where every chair is gonna be, every couch in advance, all your FF&E, furniture, fixtures, equipment, you know where every piece of art is going, you've pre-planned all of that because then you know where you need hooks, you know where you need uh, outlets if there's art that requires light, you just need to be organized. And I had the perfect place right outside the umpire's room to put this piece of art and it would have been brilliant because the umpires were walking by every day and sometimes I'd be frustrated by umpires not because they were high or drunk because I thought they were blind they're missing calls they're missing the strike zone they're getting calls wrong this is instant replay can cure a few things but not balls and strikes we had no robo-arms we were only talking about it back 10 years ago but nothing was close the way it is now when you build a new ballpark in baseball members of the union and members of the commissioner's office do a walkthrough at various points during the course of the season during the course of the building of the ballpark as the ballpark is getting close and the outfield walls are up they come again and they're looking at the gaps they're measuring from home plate to the outfield then we start making ground rules because you have to have ground rules for every stadium. What's going to be a foul ball? What's a fair ball? Little changes. You have to paint the top of that wall yellow. That'll be a home run if it's over the yellow. Makes it easier for the umpires to see. So you've got a union member. You've got a commissioner's office member. You've got me. You've got Mike Hill, and we're walking around. Larry Beinfest, taking notes, making sure. (laughs) We get to the tour of where the umpires, how the umpires get onto the field, how the players get onto the field through the dugout. The visiting players at Marlins Park had to walk past the fish tank room where all the equipment was for the fish tank behind the plate. I bet that room now is just a closet because Jeter got rid of the fish tank behind the plate, which still bothers me and upsets me, by the way. So then they do the umpire walkthrough. Umpires, and they're looking around, and they see the piece of art outside the umpire's room. Guess what? They made us take it down. Can you believe that? How about a sense of humor, MLB? We didn't destroy it. It was art. We just moved it to a different part of the building. I thought it'd be funny. It's not like they're going to make a call against us because we have this beautiful piece of art, this original piece of eye chart art, denied. Angel Hernandez is an umpire in Major League Baseball who is the single most protected employee of any union ever other than Trevor Bauer, who keeps getting his administrative leave extended, keeps getting paid not to work. What a gig. You see how he's suing the next, he's suing that woman who got the temporary straining order against him and then it was lifted. He's now suing her. I think he's going to collect a lot of money for that. I think that's going to help his reputation. I think that's going to solve everything. No worries. So Angel Hernandez has always been known throughout my career. He lives in South Florida. He does an overwhelming number of games in Jupiter during spring training because umpires are assigned to near where they live so they can live at home during spring training, part of the union regulations. It's good for them too. Angel Hernandez is a bad umpire, hard stop. And I'm sorry, Angel, but you are. I am a bad shortstop, I am. I don't play shortstop. MLB has been trying to get you out of baseball, I'm sorry to say, for decades. Then you sued them. And then it became difficult because you are also a minority. And you sued them for discrimination. You sued them saying that you were not being given a fair shot to either be a crew chief or appear in the postseason when that suit was filed i was a part of major league baseball and our reaction involved showing whether or not we had good dentists we got to compare because everyone's mouth was open in a smile (laughs) are you kidding me hey you've got a little by your incisor i think you should do a little whitening and maybe get those get a retainer (laughs) that lawsuit's a joke right ooh are you from london I digress. Is anyone gonna get that joke? Wait to see. All of the people listening to this in London got that joke. Angel Hernandez had a game where he was umpiring two days ago, Kyle Schwarber. It was the worst game if you watched that game. Here's what you want out of an umpire. You want an umpire who can actually tell you when it's a strike and when it's a ball. I was always taught that when a player looks back at an umpire after a take, and says hey was that a strike or after a swing and miss hey was that a strike that's a player who does not have command of the strike zone jim Beattie taught me that you should always know as a hitter and i confirm this with the likes of the barry bonds of the world you never need to ask if a stri- if a ball is a ball or a strike because you know whether it's a ball or a strike christian yelich would agree but players do that all the time it's like when you miss a serve in tennis and you look at your racket. No, no. You missed the serve. It's not your racket. They always check the strings. It's got to be the equipment's problem. Nope. But when the umpire is not understanding the strike zone and calling balls where they should be strikes, calling strikes when they should be balls, it's going to lead to frustration. Now there are systems where they're everywhere. You can grade umpires. You can go online and see what the umpire's ball strike ratio was and how many calls were correct, how many calls were incorrect. There's a bunch of analytical people, all of whom are simply confirming the bias that we already had, that Angel's bad. So why isn't he fired? That's what everybody's asking me. MLB can't fire him no matter how big an outrage the public has, no matter how big an outrage all the players have and all the players union, they may agree to it. The umpires union is not going to let Angel Hernandez get fired. Angel Hernandez is not going to let himself get fired until there is some violation of their collectively bargained agreement. There was a time when a bunch of umpires, remember when they had no agreement what is this 15 years ago coca bunch of umpires were let go in what we used what we called at the time the great purge but there were some guys who made it through like the CB Buckners of the world made it through Angel Hernandez made it through and we are biding our time dollar fine they are biding their time waiting for the next opportunity where they can fire but then the world changed correctly so made it very difficult for a very, very white sport like baseball to do anything to any umpire who's either black or Hispanic. My opinion has always been, let's talk about making sure we've got diversity, but there has to be quality, and we need to go down and breed umpires, teach schools, get people into umpiring schools get more diversity in the minor leagues as they work their way up that is what we are trying to do but until then angel hernandez will be an umpire in major league baseball sorry jason sorry all fans of every team you're stuck with him good luck nothing personal pick of the day nailed it mavs three over jazz god luke is good isn't he How's my NFT of Donovan Mitchell doing? We're 50 and 41. We're going for a parlay today. I don't know how we're going to judge this in wins and losses, Coco will tell me after the show. I've got Memphis beating the Wolves today and the Heat finishing off the Hawks, but I'm doing a money line parlay. So I don't know what that pays. I don't know what it does, but I'm saying both of those teams are going to win. So the way it is, if they both win, we're going to take the win. If only one of them wins, we're going to take the loss. Memphis, Heat, money line parlay. I'm ending the show with a message to Scott Boras. Scott, it's David. How you doing? Are you happy with the way you handled Michael Conforto? Michael Conforto was one of your players. You may not remember because he's not making you rich right now. You may have handed him off already to some of your underlings. Michael Conforto was given a qualifying offer by the New York Metropolitans. Michael Conforto could have made $18.4 million and you told Michael Conforto to turn it down like a light switch. It's an old little Mormon trick. We do it all the time. You said Michael Conforto would get a long-term deal. Michael Conforto was coming off a mediocre year at best, crappy year at worst. Then Michael Conforto got hurt. Then you lied about Michael Conforto being hurt. Yo, you don't need to get my guy a physical. Trust me, he's good. Sign him. Spoken to enough people around the game where you were trying to convince them to sign Michael Conforto and then, ah, trust me, we gave him the physical. You think that we're going to sign a free agent and not do a full physical and not discover the fact that he hurt his shoulder and then go back to you and say, we're not signing him for a two-year $40 million deal. We're not even signing him to a one-year $18.4 million deal, which coincidentally is what the Mets would have signed him to. Scott Boras comes out with a quote saying, he had a little incident while training hard, getting ready for the season. That's why he hasn't been signed, but he's ready to go. Then when no one signed him, he had to change that and say, you know what? He's going to rehab on his own. We'll let you know when he's ready to go. But believe me, he's just about ready. Then we found out that last week, Michael Conforto underwent shoulder surgery by Dr. Neil Elitraj. Let me tell you about Dr. Neil Elitraj, because we've sent players to get him. You don't go to Dr. Neil Elitraj when you've got a tiny boo-boo. You go to Dr. Elitraj when you've got a real issue in the shoulder, like a torn labrum? Hmm. I wonder what's wrong with Michael Conforto. Let's ask Scott Porras. Here's what he said. Last week, Michael Conforto underwent successful shoulder surgery. By the way, anytime you wake up, that's successful to me. He's expected to make a full recovery and return to play in spring training 2023. And are we actually supposed to believe that do you think anyone's going to sign your client right now you know they're not you know that they're going to not just demand that he is fully recovered they're going to demand to test the shoulder and you don't like letting people test anything before they sign your players you don't even like showing medicals to of your players to teams because you try to manipulate owners into signing your guy except when your guy isn't good then you say you know what on to the next guy michael you made a mistake in hiring scott boris you made another mistake and not being honest. And here's what's going to happen because I know what 30 owners think. You're not getting a long-term deal next year. You are going to get a one-year deal well below the qualifying offer. And there's going to be an option, both an opt-out and a team option. So it's a mutual option, but it's really a player option. But if you even get 10 million guaranteed next year, you ought to save every penny. How many players are going to have to be mistreated and thrown to the curb, realizing they're not the elite of the elite and that's who Scott caters to. How many times are owners gonna get misled and then bail him out? Well, here's an example where it didn't happen. It's okay, Michael, you know the drill or the scalpel in this case, it's just business. Sorry, Scott, it's nothing personal.